Well, good evening. I'm Rick Dancer. Welcome to Get Real with Rick Dancer. And tonight we have a friend of the show, Alan Thayer, who's going to be joining us. Um, uh, there, I don't know if you guys heard, if you pay attention to just legacy media, you probably didn't, but lawyers for 500 healthcare workers sued a hospital system over COVID vaccine religious mandates, and they settled with the employees for $10 million. So that makes me think, hmm, something's changing. People are starting to think for themselves a little bit. We're going to talk to Alan Thayer and find out more about that. Uh, first, we want to remind you, we couldn't be here without Buck Sanitary Service. Uh, they're one of our major sponsors. And if you are, when we get into Oregon fire season, we don't hear from Scott ever because they take out these beautiful facilities, showers, toilets, um, and they're not just taking outhouses out there. They're taking all kinds of stuff to make sure that our men and women who are fighting the fires in Oregon are taken well care of. And literally, Scott is usually gone from August through October. Um, never even see him. He pays his bill, but you never see him. And I'm going to show you some of those in a little bit. And also Chris Dental Family Dentistry. And I realize uh, summer's not a time when you go to the dentist very much because you don't want to take the time. But you need to be making appointments now to get in. Uh, for the fall because uh, they're getting really busy and they'll need your help. So let's get the open and get Alan on here and we'll get going here. I feel so powerful when that happens. Boom. <laughs> Alan Thayer, attorney extraordinaire. How are you? Oh, good. It's great to see you, Rick. Uh, we miss you here in the Eugene Springfield area. Well, I miss you. Um, and I missed some things about the Eugene Springfield area, but here's an example of living in Montana versus living in, in Oregon. So we're having the same hot weather you are, but on ours every day, it doesn't say extreme weather emergency. <laughs> it's like, if you live in Montana, the weather's extreme, live with it. <laughs> and it's buck up. If you put that in there or ask them to, they probably would, uh, would, would kill you. So anyway. Um, thank you, Terry Leo, for my nice office. Yeah, it's uh, it's getting there. But I just ordered those soundproofing things to put around. They come on Thursday because we've got an echo in here. So I'm going to soundproof my little office. So, Alan, tell me, you sent me this uh, information. Tell me what, first of all, for the audience, um, you're a business attorney. You also have, in fact, I put it up here, um, religious exemption information that people can use. Is this still going on in Oregon? Oh, yeah. Yeah. I, uh, I have a daughter who is applying for jobs right now, and she's she's being asked to either get vaccinated or uh, submit an exemption request. And um, so it's still happening. It's still happening. With all the information out there, that's just, I mean, I guess I'm living a thousand miles away, but it's like, it's just not even a thing here. And um, it's just insane. So tell me about this, this, this settlement. What does that mean? You know, to them first, tell me what it means to them, but then also what does that mean to us for the future? Well, one of the things that when you and I've talked before, one of the things I strongly encouraged was to request an accommodation under the Federal Civil Rights Act of 1964, a federal statute that protects employees from religious discrimination. And that was what the lawsuit was brought uh, here in the Illinois case. Um, it was brought against a healthcare employer with over 17,000 employees uh, outside of Chicago and Evanston, Illinois, the North Shore University Health System. They are the defendant. And this was the first class action lawsuit against a healthcare uh, employer. Um, for doing uh, What was that, Rick? For doing that, for, for, for firing people for not doing it. Exactly. And one of the things that we talked about is in terms of lawsuits, individual employees really can't afford to bring these lawsuits. Uh, I talked to uh, I talked to one lawyer who I was trying to get interested, and he goes, "Well, you'd have to put four hundred thousand dollars in my client trust account for me to get started." Now, it's not that they're gouging people, 
But as soon as a case like this is filed, you're going to be bombarded with motions. And in a class action lawsuit, there is a class certification process, which is very expensive. And so the way to bring a case like this is to find an advocacy group. And here the advocacy group was bought, was uh, brought or the the advocacy group. I'm going to have to get some water. The advocacy advocacy group. Boy, I'm a trained advocate. You'd think I'd know how to say advocacy. Alan, I have a client, Compton Family Wines, and they do regenerative farming. And every time I have to say that, when I can do it when I think about it. But when she's on, and here's Tabitha, and I'm going, rejuvenation, no, regenerative farming. But yeah, it's just one of those things. So anyway. So the group is called Liberty Council, and they are... Uh, they do this as part of their Christian ministry. They they um, advocate for individuals and groups who are being discriminated against because of their religion. Um, they must be effective because the Southern Poverty Law Center has designated them as a hate group. So evidently standing up for religion makes you a hate group. So what's the significance of this in in? To, to people in Oregon or other states? Well, uh, this is good. It's very good, but it falls short of great. Great would be a court ruling, which uh, affirms that, that um, these employers are violating the Civil Rights Act. We don't have that here. Even greater than great would be an appellate court upholding a lower court decision and saying, yes, the Federal Civil Rights Act of 1964 prevents you from denying uh, religious accommodation requests in mass. Um, what makes this significant is it is the first case, it is the first settlement, and it is an eye-popping $10,337,500 settlement fund for members of the class. Add on top of that $2,060,000 in attorney fees that are awarded to the Liberty Council. Wow. Twelve Over $12 million, this is significant. And it should embolden plaintiff's attorneys. It might not because a lot of the plaintiff's attorneys are liberal and they want to see uh, people be vaccinated. They're they're sold on that, so that could be a little problem, but $12 million ought to get people's attention. Um, so are employers then in Oregon are still requiring um, people have the vaccine to get, get the, to, to apply for the job or get the job? Certain employers are. Um, I haven't talked to my uh, people at Nike in a while, but Nike certainly was. I don't know if they're continuing to do so, but hospitals still are. Um, school districts still are. Um, and there may be others. I, in fact, I'd be interested to hear from your viewers if their employers are still requiring that. Yeah, I wonder if anybody out there, if you're, if you are being, if you've tried to get a job or you're being required to do that, because I hate to bring this up because I'm afraid I'm going to get canceled. Um, but there's enough evidence out there to show. I mean, look at all the people who are who've been boosted, who've been vaccinated, and are still getting the virus. Um, well, our our president, and he got it twice within a week. And so how do you, what's the, why the mandate um, if it's questionable? Well, I have, a, I have a very good friend who likes to repeat the often quoted statement, follow the money. There seems to be an awful lot of money going from taxpayers through the federal government to drug companies and then political contributions back. Now, that may be a little cynical, but uh, this exemption mandate has been a huge transfer of wealth to the drug companies and their shareholders and their executives. Melissa Willis says the state fired her over this and refuses to hire her back despite the face, uh, the fact that the mandate is no longer. So the mandate isn't even a mandate anymore. 
and people that now I know Betsy Johnson, who's running for as a as the uh, non-affiliated uh, candidate for governor, has said to me on this show that I'd say, what would you do with those workers? And she says, hire them back, give them their damn job back is the way she put it, actually. Yeah, evidently, Melissa is not a woodland firefighter. Uh, they were exempt from the mandate at the very beginning because they uh, they had told the governor's office that they all would quit. And so uh, we needed them a couple of years ago on the fire lines. But other than that, um, a lot of people really seem to believe this. In, in Eugene, for example, um, the uh, Lane County Health has recommended that people wear masks again and you go certain places and people are wearing masks again, even though those people who are who are contracting COVID, it seems to be pretty mild, just like it was mild for our president. So <clears throat> can we talk about some something else? Are well, you- let's. I'd love to, but let's get into a couple more details about okay, this. Just, I got other questions for you because um, you you bring this out in me. Okay, so go ahead. Oh, I'm happy to talk about yeah. anything you well, want. What, what, let me ask you this real quick. What could Melissa do? Um, so I would think Melissa and other people, um, I would think that they would want to go ahead and apply for their jobs back, include a, a, a request for accommodation, under um, title, uh, under the Federal Civil Rights Act of 1964, and um, maybe include a a copy of an article about this lawsuit. Actually, I think what I'm going to do is we're going to update our religious accommodation request forms, and we we're going to figure out a way to make uh, a reference to this. It might take a couple days to get that done. Uh, but we can uh, we can refer to that to this lawsuit. Um, so Melissa and the, Melissa and people like her. This it's right on the screen here. Uh, how you go to Alan's website and get this information? They'll update that. And Melissa says I did apply and they refused. Um, someone else says I'm reading Senator Robert Kennedy Jr.'s book, uh, The Real Anthony Fauci. It's eye opening. Um, I have some friends who do. Uh, um, no BS MD doctor show. And they interviewed the publicist on that. And uh, yeah, they said it was pretty profound. So anyway, back to the topic at hand. By the way, your friends are great. Your doctor doctor friends. Oh, they're going to start. They're going to be a client. They're going to come on and once a month, we're going to do a show with them. Um, I'm probably going to have to do it on my website and then put little pieces over here. Um, but they are, um, yeah, they're going to come on and, and then I'm going to promote their other shows so people can see them. So, so, um, live TV, I guess, uh, I'm getting a notice from my computer. Evidently I don't have my, uh, recharger plugged in. Uh, I took my laptop home over the weekend. So excuse me for just a second. You know what, Alan, this is a great time. I'll go to a commercial. You just Excellent. go you I'll, plug in and I'll get a commercial going here. I'll be back. Okay. So our sponsors, we couldn't do this without them. Buck Sanitary Service and Chris Dental Family Dentistry. allowed to say what they want and and the reason i do the billboards is because it, it, it hits more people and i'm not trying to piss people off i'm just trying to let my i i don't want the lockdowns and then it was um you know back the blue there's nothing wrong with back in the blue we need more people supporting uh, supporting our police departments and uh and they they need to be dri- policemen need to be driving around and seeing that billboard and and feel good because uh, they've been crapped on and, and now with the uh, with the new billboard it wasn't, you know, some people you had told me because I don't even re- read my comments that people had made comments that I was just trying to get attention from Joe Rogan and and uh, and Elon Musk. And I don't care about their opinions, uh, but I like the fact that they're free thinkers. They believe in freedom of speech, 
and we uh, that's why I kind of applauded them uh, and I said hey they rock which was a good time because certain things came out um, and I don't believe in all their views but I, we used to be a country that you could actually have views and not hate people and that's what I think those two people represent is they, they're okay with people having different views it's good to have different views Uh, yeah, I think it's good to have different views. <laughs> so that's what I always thought. Don't you, Alan? Um, you, uh, it is good. I, so, I remember back in the days where people disagreed and they say, I disagree with everything you say and everything you stand for, but I will defend your right to say those things. That's what the American Liberty Association used to stand for. But, you know, I mean, it is amazing. And I think that, um, but, but, but what, you know, my, my wife and I were talking about this the other night is it's like you, um, everybody's getting their information from their own sources and then nobody's listening. You know, like this guy came on my page and was just yelling at me for, you know, and words, um, saying stuff like I have told you, and I've tried to inform you because what they always do is they, they just post a bunch of their bullshit, um, comments from you know like a, a, an article that backs up what they think and, and and then it's the bible i mean it's facts and it's like and I, i'm standing there going so you arrogant human you think that you're the only one who has the right facts when you know like the r-e-c-e-s-s-i-o-n that we're currently in we can't even talk about that now because i understand that f-a-c-e-b-e-o-b-o-o-k is throttling people back and they already throttled me back <laughs> here's here's jordan grant says i don't think the hiring back works when the businesses are woke and are afraid of repercussions there does not seem to be any principled integrity any longer for the most part well to jordan's point if someone is advertising a position there is someone who previously held the position they apply again and they assert a request for religious accommodation and they're not even interviewed, uh, that's a pretty good circumstantial case of discrimination right there. But what's interesting too is that people then will say, well, if you're not going to protect people, then, then it's okay to screw you over like that. Um, I, I've never lived in a time like this where it's like, um, and, it, and, it's, and it's so, it seems so apparently obvious to some of us but well, it, 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 I think we can talk about this and to, you know, just throw this in there is like the abortion thing. Um, you know, it was I m my body, my choice mandate or I don't want if, if you don't want to mandate, I don't want to mandate it. My what, you, what I can do with my body so I shouldn't have to take a vaccine. And now it turns around and now, you know, but I still support people's right. You should be able to do what you want to do, whatever your state tells you you can do. But when it's abortion, then it's a different issue um, for people. And to, to me, it's like, well, if you get the right to do what you want with your body, and I agree with you, you should have the right to do, why shouldn't I have the right to make medical choices for myself as well? And that's, that's all I'm asking. That's just all I'm asking. Or another example is uh, GMOs, genetically modified organisms. People were livid when there was uh, genetic genetic modified wheat being grown so that uh, we can feed more people in this country and around the world. Uh, advocates were very much against it. And yet now it's okay to program the body to create a spike protein, which is new to the body. Um, so it's okay to genetically modify humans. Um, but it's, the, it's Alan, it's the inconsistencies that just, that, that, you know, because I, I, for me, I love hypocrisy. Now, let me put, explain because hypocrisy calls people out. It, but, but what it used to, because at, at least some point people would go, oh yeah, that does kind of equal out. But now there's, it's, it's, there's no such thing anymore. It, hypocrisy is normal. It's like, you know, well, it's my way or the highway and you don't get a say because, but I think that's, did you feel like that's changing with this lawsuit? that people are starting to go, you know, I'm, I'm done with this. Well, I think the thing of the interesting thing about this lawsuit is that the employer 
once they met with attorneys, once they saw the legal arguments, once they saw the risk of moving forward with this suit, the employer decided, hey, maybe we, we did something wrong. And the employer agreed that from today forward, they're going to consider religious exemption requests on a case-by-case -case basis, where previously they automatically denied all requests. Wow. Now that's a big deal. It is. It is. Because that tells hospitals like Peace Health and everybody else around here that you can push this Catholic hospital, but at some point it's, it could come back to bite you in the ass. And, you you know, and, I mean, that and that's good because they shouldn't be doing that. Absolutely right. They shouldn't. They shouldn't. And I don't think it's going to solve the hypocrisy problem. Um yeah. You know, when you uh, when you have people redefining what that R word was that you spelled earlier, that word, um, do you ever have, do you ever kind of daydream and think, boy, if I were to uh, go back when I was however many years old, um, how I would do things differently then? Um, um, I don't, I, that's a kind of a common theme of, uh, television dramas, I think, uh, certainly back to the future movies. Um, I've kind of wondered recently if maybe if uh, George Orwell uh, got his chance to his wish to go back to when he was much younger, he saw what was happening today and he chose to write his book 1984, knowing that, uh, well, it, it's not quite 1984 when it happens, but it is going to happen. And because uh, we seem to be following right into his right into what he warned us about. Right. I went back right after this all started the, with the COVID two, you know, two years ago, whatever. Right after that, I went and bought the book again and started reading it again. And I was shocked um, because it was stuff that you when you read it in high school, you thought this is like fantasy, not fantasy in a good way. But this is like this will never happen. And I, I'm just shocked at how quickly people and easily um, people acquiesce. And, and you know, it, um, it, it back in high school, it was called negative utopia. That was what they were writing about. A negative utopia. Um, Atlas Shrugged is another book which uh, uh, seemed pretty, uh, pretty outlandish until you uh, compare it to by what's happening today. So give me some other points that you, that one, that was huge, but you said, you said you had a couple of things you wanted to throw in there about that. I, uh, yes. Yeah. So there's, um, there were 13 plaintiffs in this case, the 13 point. So it's a fund and they get to pull from the fund, but it's estimated the 13 plaintiffs are going to get $45,000 each. There's 269 class members who either were fired for refusing to get a vaccine or who quit because uh, they refused to get the vaccine. 269, they're going to get $25,000 each or thereabouts. And then what is sad is there are 204 members of the class who filed a request for religious uh, accommodation. Their request was denied. And rather than lose their job because of the needs of their family, 204 people went ahead and received the vaccine, even though um, they didn't want it and it was against their beliefs. I have had people talk, contact me and who have told me, well, they refused my request. So I went ahead and got the vaccine. And then they told me how badly they felt about getting the vaccine afterwards. And for a number of people, this has caused real moral dilemma for them. Uh, that they went ahead and received the, the vaccine because they were fearful of losing their job. So in this instance, there's 204 class members who fall into that category. And then, as I mentioned, um, the winners in class action lawsuits are the lawyers, and they're getting over $2 million for this lawsuit. So nobody's getting rich off this, but they're getting uh, quite a few are getting some compensation. But really, the bigger deal is that a court is starting to recognize that religious exemptions still should matter and should well, be 
Not a court. We didn't have any court ruling yet. Well, that's so, right, because this came, this was a settlement. But that says, that, that does say the hospital understands. And by saying we're, we're going to take it on a case, but going to change their policy a little bit um, by actually looking at them, that's a step in the right direction. Absolutely. And uh, $10,337,500 together with over $2 million in attorney fees is eye-popping. So, and, and, so that's good too. So there's probably a lot of hospital administrators paying close attention to that because... Um, well, in the, the Springfield School District ought to be uh, paying attention to this. Um, I don't know if you remember what, what happened there. Uh, teachers filed their request for religious accommodation. They said, fine, your request is granted. The accommodation is, is you can't work here. You're going to be on unpaid leave, which means you cannot collect unemployment. Um, and then we'll let you know in September of uh, 2022 whether you can have your job back or not. And September 2022 is coming real close. Now, one of the things when you're dealing with a public entity in Oregon, such as a school district, is short of filing a lawsuit, you can file what's called a tort claim notice. And in fact, you have a limited amount of time to, to file that notice, but it is a way to let the school district and the school district's attorney and the school board know that you're serious about possibly filing a lawsuit. Uh, and they have to respond, or they're at least aware of the tort claim notice. Uh, I, I do have uh, calls into the Liberty Council to see if they would consider uh, a case out of Oregon. I, I don't think we have employers with 17,000 employees. However, coming off a win like this, bringing lawsuits uh, or threatening lawsuits and using the tort claim notice process ought to cause uh, employers in Oregon to uh, sit up and take notice. Are you hearing this from other business attorneys around the state after this decision or this settlement? No, I, I, so this came, I think on Friday, I think it came uh, and it hit the, the news over the weekend. Um, in fact, I think most of the articles I found were, were written on Saturday. Uh, so I'm not sure how widely, how wide it's out there. And I've kind of had my nose to the grindstone today. So I haven't talked to a lot of people. Okay. Well, we'll see what happens. And Alan, uh, thank you for joining us and coming up with, you know, telling people about stuff like this. I, I tell you, I just, I, it get, makes me nervous because you go, you don't ever know what's going to happen. You wake up in the morning and what the, what the media gods are going to do, but we can't stop talking about this stuff. You know, I mean, I, I just, that's, I, if there's people out there that really believe that, 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 that this should be quieted, what are they so afraid of? You know, that if, to me, when you, when, when you won't allow all sides of an issue to be discussed, you're afraid of something, um, yeah. of losing power, of losing your message. Um, maybe you were wrong. Um, you know, maybe all the evidence that you were shoving at us didn't, didn't pan out to be quite what it was. And look at all the things that, that, that we were being censored for when Facebook was shutting us down for it. And now it's okay to talk about it. But that, that's like, that's like living in China, you know? Yeah. Yeah. It's, I think it has even seeped out from the media to the way individuals are relating to each other, sadly, and families. If you disagree with me, then there's something wrong with you. Uh, how dare you disagree with me? Um, the type of comments you're getting on your page that you mentioned earlier. Um, we we have gone from, at first it was a lack of civility in our discussions, and now it has evolved into a, a refusal to even consider the uh, point of view of other people. Yeah, I, I remember being told as a kid, you have two ears and one mouth, and that's about the ratio you should use those devices. You know, I, yeah, I've lost a lot of friends over this. Um, people who are acquaintances and are friends and people that I used to be able to talk with, and they say, you've changed. And I think what people don't understand is I didn't change that much. But what I understood and have understood now 
is how tolerant people were. So you could only say so much in a conversation about anything. I'm not talking about COVID. I'm talking about politics or anything. You knew how far you could push people because after that, you'd be gone. I think what happened with Trump and with COVID and with all that is people saw that, you know what, we need to be talking about everything. We need to, I'm not going to be silent anymore. And, and, you know, my wife and I had members sitting down having after the, the COVID thing. Um, it was a couple of months into it. And Kathy looked at me and she said, I, even if we suffer, um, I think we should just start saying what we believe. But and, it, it's been a long time coming, Rick. Um, you're old enough to remember the Reagan administration uh-huh. and the left would choose to dismiss anything. He may say, Oh, he's, he's stupid. And they uh, they certainly did that with uh, Bush 41, Papa Bush. Um, they did it again with Bush Jr. Um, and then when it came to Trump, they just took it to a whole new level um, and, and immediately just started with offensive nicknames and name calling. Um, it seems that if you don't like what's being said, you attack the, the speaker and therefore, what the speaker says doesn't matter. So isn't that the definition of bullying? Mm-hmm. And so we're, a lot of those people probably that are doing that, that I know, were big in the anti-bullying movement. And, you know, and, 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 and now all of a sudden that's a tactic. Um, and I get people doing that to me all the time. I mean, that's just life. But it's like, you know, it's. It, it, it does floor me because I'm going, if you could see how this sounds to people. And, and I guess to me, it's like, I'm not afraid of people. Um, you know, if it, what, what is it I'm trying to say here? It's like, if, if they don't, they're afraid that if they admit that they're wrong, um, then everything was a lie or something. And I, I don't get it. I, I just don't understand because, yeah, I know Donald Trump could be very offensive. And he's, you know, there's times he says something and I'm like, going, oh, God, don't, don't, don't know. I, I know enough about public relations. Do not. That is a really bad thing to do. Um, but how people can't look at what happened, what was going on with all of us in our economy and life, uh, you know, three years ago versus right now. I think there's a lot of Americans that are standing back and going, you know. I don't know, man, this doesn't, and and you can only tell people what to believe for so long, especially when it hits their pocketbook, when you're going, um, yeah, but you keep doing the same thing and I keep going down and you're staying the same. So the rich people are okay. And it's all the middle-class, the poor who are going down and you keep saying, you're going, I see you going on a different trajectory than me. Well, I think Trump, I mean, Trump's, Trump is obviously a smart guy with all he's accomplished. I mean, you don't accomplish those things. Right. Um, and people can just give him that. He does. He's a good businessman. Um, and somebody, somebody will throw me that because most people that fail are doing, you know, and most businesses do fail. Things do fail. I fail a lot. But that's the people that are willing to take the risk to, to find that thing. Well, I suspect, though, that his mean tweets, um, you could call it a public relations disaster. Um but yeah. I, I suspect that they could have been strategic because here's what happened. Um, Trump accomplished a lot in terms of his executive orders and the bills he signed into law. And people really didn't focus on what he was doing. Instead, they focused on the mean tweets. And that that gave him an opportunity to accomplish amazing things. So, I, I, and I might be a minority out there, but but I think he knew what he was doing and was doing it for a purpose. And there was a cost associated with it. But the benefit was, is they were able to adopt all of these regulations and uh, adopt changes, even though a lot of those changes were undone by the next administration. So to, just to close out here, what do you think is going to happen in November in Oregon? Boy, I don't know. I mean, I am so beat up for having been involved in this sort of stuff for, I don't know, 30, 40 years now. Uh, But I've been talking to lobbyists. And the lobbyists have told me that it will be a good night for Republicans in Oregon. Now, I am concerned about the 
the Supreme Court abortion decision, if that isn't going to fire up some of the the liberal base who might not otherwise be quite as fired up and induce some people to vote who might not otherwise vote. Um, so I'm a worrier and I've gone from being an optimist to being a worrier. And it's just because of getting beat up election cycle after election cycle. Um, but I'm, I'm actually hopeful. I, I don't think the Republicans will take, take a majority uh, but I do think the size of the difference between the Republican caucus and the Democratic caucus will uh, will lessen. And you guys, the reason I ask Alan this, he's been involved in politics for uh, in all those years. I mean, for everything. So, what, OK, another, I know I keep saying last question. What do you, what do you think? What do, you think uh, do you think Betsy can pull it out? Betsy Johnson? Well, I think so. I, um, I attended a, uh, a meeting with Betsy in Eugene. And they did something very interesting. They brought their uh, their campaign consultant with them. And he took us through the numbers and he took us through the strategy. And they seem to be right where they, where they want to be. Um, Christina is out with an ad campaign right now, which normally you wouldn't see that kind of money spent before Labor Day during the summer when people are focusing on other things, but she is. And Obviously, they're seeing something in the polls that's probably uh, favoring Betsy, and they're actually attacking Betsy with their same attacks against Tina Kotak. But one of the things the the consultant said that surprised me, and I've been involved with campaigns since I was in high school, um, but there are the things that parties do for their nominees. And um, they, they put together mailings. They, they, they put together people out walking the street. They're, there's a bunch of things that campaigns do. And they valued the, the cost of doing those things at about $6.5 million, which means for, for Betsy, just to even to get to zero, she has to raise $6.5 million. Yeah. And I've never heard anyone put a value on that before. I, I never really thought about it before, but I thought it was a very interesting insight. And I imagine your viewers are probably uh, way ahead of me on that. And they go, well, of course, there's there's a value. And, and I'll acknowledge that, but I had no idea it was six and a half million dollar magnitude value. Right. No wonder I lost. <laughs> no, you were, you were the nominee of a party, though, Rick. Right, but that's because no one ran against me because I would have never won with Republicans. They didn't like me very much. The um, um, well, I was, too, I was too much of a rhino. They thought. Well, I can tell you what people were uh, talking about the day uh, the day after the election, after your race. They were like, and, and I was one of them. They're like, "Damn, he did good. If only we would have known, we could have given him some money, and he he could have won this thing." Yeah, we were close, and it was like, and and we had. We, but we didn't get the money till too late. I mean, it was just really, really. And she and she out she outspent me like what, double, more than double. Well, here's something. Here's something that I want your viewers to appreciate. Had you won that campaign, with everything that fo followed afterwards, you would have been governor during the pandemic, and things in Oregon would have been very, very different. Very Elections different. matter. And money for candidates matters. So if you are a fan of Betsy Johnson, and I know you are, if you're yeah. a fan of Betsy Johnson, send her money. Every, every little bit help. Go to, I think her website is Run Betsy Run. I wasn't planning on saying this. RunBetsyRun.com. And every dollar helps. And small contributions help because they help lower the average size of contributions. And large contributions really help. Uh, I think people don't understand that twenty bucks, though. The twenty bucks is not a big deal. But what it, what is a big deal is those single voters. So when you go out and say, "I had to do this," when you go out and say, "Yes, I've got you know four hundred thousand from timber industry and this company and this company," but I have another three hundred thousand from mom and pop people, twenty dollar donations. Those those look better to the voting public than the big donations. In fact, the big donations are what can drive people away from you, but all those small ones. So if you're thinking 20 bucks doesn't matter, it, in the big picture, it doesn't. But you're giving that 
product makes a huge difference to the to the narrative. Well, and the fact that you're an in-state donor, right? Contrasted with the out-of-staters who are supporting uh, some of the more liberal candidates, that's that's a huge factor as well. You, you know what scares me about the Republicans, though, right now with Betsy, is I still am hearing the same thing. Um, she's just a Democrat. Running is a you know she's not even she's not she's not saying she's a Republican. She's saying she's a she's a non-affiliated voter. And but you know and her dad was a Republican. And Betsy votes. You know yes she has some votes and she has some things that, that I don't agree with. But you know yeah, yeah I think people if they're one issue voters like there's a lot of one issue she's pro she's uh, supports abortion rights. Um, so that's a big issue for some Republicans. But let me tell you folks. Insanity, the definition is doing the same thing over and over and expecting a different result. You've been doing this, Republicans, for 40 fucking years, and it doesn't work. So you're waiting for the perfect Republican candidate that believes everything you do and has all the issues you do. And then you so you won't vote for anybody else. So you vote for somebody who's not going to win. And then you wonder why we keep having Kate Brown and Tina Kotek and Ted Kulingoski and all these people, John Kitzhaber, running our state into the ground, and you wonder why. It's because you, 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 you know, it's, it's like people that want politicians to balance the budget. Okay, I, I hear you. Let's look at your budget. <laughs> what? How much do you owe on your house? What's your car payment? Is your balanced budget? Do you have a balanced budget at home? And it's kind of funny when you, because when I run that, are you going to balance the budget? You're going to audit everything like this. You know what I wanted to do so bad, Alan? I went to the state auditor and I said, okay, so I'm going to go out and talk about auditing. What can I do? And he goes, do you want the real message or you want the one that you'll have to give um, as a candidate? So he gave me the one as a candidate. Oh, I'm going to look into auditing, blah, blah, blah. But the real answer was, you don't do shit. You don't, there's nothing you can really do. You can ask for an audit, but the auditing department is its own and you're a figurehead and none of that matters. And I thought at some point, I thought during the debate, I wanted to go, Kate, you and I both know <laughs> that there's nothing we can do. And it's, we're a figurehead and our chief of staff does more work than we do. <laughs> well, you, you asked um, about getting Republicans to vote for Betsy. And I will tell you is that her consultant has, uh, I think he's beaten the Republicans 40 times now in 40 different elections. Um, and that's both candidate elections and ballot measures. He hasn't lost. He's very, very good. He knows how to beat Republicans and he knows the Democrat playbook. And Democrats will not hire him anymore. Huh. So he's out there without a net. He knows that uh, if he's going to be relevant and continue to have a job, they're going to have to win. He's very, very smart. And they know about the problem of getting Republicans to vote for Betsy. They know about the problem of getting Democrats to vote for Betsy. And I think you're going to see some brilliant TV ads. Their TV ads have been very, very good. And, and in her, the clips they take from her speaking, it's because that's Betsy. I mean, there was, did you see the one with Kotech giving this bullshit political answer about it? was about why are companies leaving Oregon? Man, 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 man. You know, the same old, and using all the big words that nobody hears. That what politicians don't understand is when you use that, you know, that all the, the, the careful narrative words, nobody hears it. And Betsy gets on, she goes, I'll tell you why. I talked to the guy. I called him up and I said, what the hell are you leaving Oregon for? And he told me, and then she gives the answer. And I think people are just going, whoa, that's what I want to hear. She said on my show, you know what, Rick? People are tired of people not doing shit. I'm going to go out there and do shit. And, uh, and my audience was lighting up going, oh, my God, who is this? You know? So a couple of things in response. First of all, a friend of mine was concerned about Betsy running. Uh, he he wanted her to run. He was very supportive of her running. He realizes that if anything's going to change, um, this is our last best hope. Yeah. Um, but his complaint was, she looks like a grandmother. And my response was, well, that may be, but she talks like a trucker. <laughs> the problem with her commercials is that they're sanitized. Um, yeah. You know, 
they see a friendly, happy Betsy instead of the uh, kind of the angry advocate that, that she can be when she thinks that Oregonians' rights are, are being trampled upon. Okay, so here, here's an example. Ellen, I'm going to bring you up here. You've said it. She voted alongside Tita Kotek almost vote for vote for years, and not once has she spoken to rescinding current laws that she helped pass. Well, those sound like talking points, Ellen. Um, we haven't gone into my background much politically, but since uh, 1998, I've been on the board of directors and then the executive committee uh, without interruption. Uh, first for Associated Oregon Industries, and and then it's now Oregon Business and Industry. They are the statewide business lobby in Oregon, and they argue against taxes. They argue against regulations. They argue about or advocate for many positions that are very important to Republicans. And Betsy has always been there with us. When the Democrats had a super majority and tried to impose a lot of stupid stuff on the state, Betsy defied her caucus and was the one vote that prevented those things from happening. Without Betsy uh, incurring the wrath of her Democratic Party and standing with Republicans, uh, those those measures would have passed and things in Oregon would be even worse than they are today. So I, I think that's a uh, talking point that's probably put out by the Republicans. I think the Republicans are worried about, uh, uh, about Betsy. However, I've seen the polling information about what would happen if this were a race between Tina and, uh, and, and Christina and Tina Kotek wins. She beats the Republican almost two to one, according to this these polls. So look a little further than the talking points, but her, uh, you know, there are the votes and there are the votes that matter. If you were to compare any Republican of your choice, I imagine 75, 80, 85 percent of the time he have, he's voting with Tina Kotak as well, or she's voting with Tina because many of the votes don't matter. Everyone agrees. It's it's on the principled votes. Those are the ones that you need to call out. And those are the ones you need to look at. Angela says, how did she vote on mandatory vaccines for school-aged children? That was never voted on. Never voted on. That, Angela, that's the damn problem. The, the, her Highness, Kate Brown, just made that, just made it up. So there was never voted. It should have gone to the legislature and she would have probably voted no because I asked her, how would you handle this? And she said, we, would, we will not lock down businesses again and we will not mandate vaccines. And then when I asked her, what would, should happen to those people who were fired because they didn't take the jab? And she said, give them their damn job back. So Angela, it was, that's the problem in Oregon people. You need to educate yourself. And I'm not being mean, I'm just saying, you, nobody, the legislature didn't decide any of this. Her Highness Kate Brown just went down and made it happen. And that's I what was, to stop. That would not happen under Betsy Johnson. I was involved with the first joint appearance between the three candidates for governor. And Christina Drazen, I mean. She's a wonderful person. She did a great job, very friendly, introducing herself, telling her compelling story. Um, she did a great job. Betsy was Betsy and um, uh, not necessarily the Betsy you see on the commercials, but the, you know, the Betsy that the rest of us know and love. Um, but Tina seems to be so comfortable with her base that she did not even tailor her comments for the audience. We were shocked by some of the things that she said. Right. She doesn't care. Business is irrelevant in Oregon, in Tina Kotak's world. Right. Well, when I ran against Kate, I mean, who cares? This is public, right? I mean, she was, you would go to debates. I'd never debated anyone before and she was horrible. I mean, it was easy. And she, I mean, it was like, she, she didn't, she, and, and I remember one time after a meeting, she said to me, I'd like an OPB or something. And she said, um, you just get in front of that microphone and you can say, you can just say whatever you want. I said, that's because no one owns me. No one, they don't like me. So when you're not liked, 
and when I don't have unions hanging their head over me, the Republicans didn't like me, so they didn't own me. So no one owned me. So when people said, what do you think about this? It was, what did Rick Dancer think about this? And they used to always ask me, Alan, what kind of Republican are you? Are you a Mark Hatfield Republican or are you a Vicatia Republican? And I used to go, I'm a Rick Dancer Republican, I guess. I mean, it was, it was the media asks the dumbest questions. I'm so glad I ran for office after being in the media or I, cause I was already kind of ashamed. And now I'm really ashamed that that's what I did for 30 years. But the questions they ask, I had a reporter ask me as secretary of state of Oregon, <laughs> what I was going to do about the situation in Israel. Yeah. And I'm like, do you realize that I'm the secretary of state of Oregon? I'm not the secretary of state of the United States. I have nothing to do with foreign policy. I have nothing to do with Israel, uh, except I have to know worship God through a Hebraic way. But it's like, and this was like, and, and I'm supposed to look at you and take you seriously instead of going, no, you know what? You're a dumb shit. <laughs> so those questions they asked you about uh, what kind of Republican you are, at that time, those were wedge issues that were designed to try to separate you from your base. Right. And it was even back then, the, the media was doing the work of the Democrats for the Democrats. Yeah, and still happening today. Alan, I gotta go, cause I'm, I'm actually performing this ceremony for my son's wedding. And tonight and I interview, I, when I do that, I interview both the bride and the groom on separate occasions together so I can put together a story of their relationship. And I'm supposed to talk to him at seven my time, which is six year time. Um, but God, this has been that was really fun. I hope that um, it doesn't get old. I I always enjoy talking with you, Rick. I, I hate doing live streams, uh, but but with you, this isn't like a live stream. This is just like talking with a friend. And by the way, congratulations to the growing dancer family. Oh, thank you. Yes, it's going to be um, really interesting. We finally have a daughter-in-law, and now maybe we'll get some grandkids. We have grandpuppies, but I really don't care about grandpuppies. Um, and uh, so people are going, great show. Well, you guys, you know what you could do? You could take this and share it with other people on your page, because I'll tell you, Facebook's not going to do it for me. I already have to pay them to push things forward. So if you would take that and share it on your page and push it out there however you wish to. Alan, thank you, man. Great to see you, and I'm at your disposal anytime you want, Rick. Okay, all right, keep in touch. All right. Sarah Montana, I got room. Hey, great to see you. Hey, we'll take you up on that. We look forward okay. to, to heading that way. All right, see you later. All right, you guys, so yeah, that was way more than I had planned. And, um, you know, just, God, please let Facebook just leave me alone. Um, and uh, at some point, you just have to trust that you're doing the right thing and things are happening, you know, so... Um, but yeah, do please share this on your page. And you guys, seriously, thank our sponsors because we cannot do this without a Buck Sanitary Service. Um, you know, if you've got to go, I realize you're going to go in a honey bucket or whatever else is out there. But if you've got to rent one and you need something, please deal with him. And also Chris Dental, make your appointments now because the fall is going to fill up and you got to get in and get your teeth worked on. All right. Oh, man, that's a long show. Well, that's 52 minutes. All right. We'll see you guys later. Have a great evening. And I'm, tomorrow night, Elements of a Healthy Lifestyle, we've got a, a local boys uh, baseball team that's going to the Nationals or the, the I think it's a World Series for Babe Ruth. And uh, they're going to be on the show. They need your help. We're going to have the local Springfield team on the show. And Kim Stark will be here to talk with the triathletes. So we got all kinds of fun stuff lined for you. All right. Have a good night. See you later.